How is she holding your hand? Hi. Hi. This is for the girls. This is for the girls. This is a podcast about you and your girls. It's about you and your divas. It's about queer people and their worship of divas. I'm Jason Black. I'm Nick Westrate. And um, I just tra- was that a good intro? <laughs> that was a pretty good intro. Into- um, there yeah. we go. It's shorter. We don't we- <laughs> normally it was written out because currently I'm sure you all can tell somewhat of the difference. I'm in LA and I'm in New York, so now we're a long distancing podcasting couple. After yeah, I don't, I don't think we established all this. I was in New York. You we were- did. We, All those. we did a lot of interviews. We're just starting the podcast, and we like started the podcast by podcasting a lot and recording a lot of interviews with great people in New York because we like to be in the room with people uh, when we're talking to them. And we also had no fucking idea what we were doing. Uh-huh. And it's been a real uh, spiritual journey. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like when you create something really good, and you doubt yourself, and then you... Praise yourself. I mean, it. What we, we so we were we. What? How much? How many hours do you think we were recording? I think we. Recorded I was there for probably. You were there for about ten days. I think we probably recorded for about twenty hours. God, twenty hours. So we would record, and we'd be like, God, we're just we're doing God's work. What we're doing is so important, and we felt so good, and we felt so full. And then we would wake up at 8 a.m., and Nick would bring me my coffee, and he'd be like, hey, babe, so I think we're going to just have to redo everything. And I was like, I have so many notes, too. I think we're completely <laughs> on the wrong track. We're never, this is never going to see the, the light of day. This is the podcast ever to this happen. Is, this is just, this is worse than, but what is it? Grandma it's, died, and she's in hell, and she's making tuna sandwiches for ghost podcast (laughs) Um, but also it's so exciting and can't wait to release all of these to all of you all of our amazing listeners because the conversations are really exciting and right they're really beautiful and it's just great to have a bunch of queers standing over their queens and just talking about how important that is and just celebrating that all right well there there's that we so yeah so i'm in la nick is in new york and we're trying to do a thing we're trying to do a thing. So, okay. So you've already, so maybe this is episode three, right? We're God, trying to we do a know. thing where we just have we episodes know. where it's just the two of us and we don't interview anybody and we just, you know, iconically talk over Skype and then play it for you or yeah, you play it for yourselves. I mean, I don't know if we cut this. We don't know. We don't know what the fuck is going on. I don't know what we cut, what we kept. Uh, but we talk about, do we talk about this, about how the it's like podcasting gold rush is just kind of like the wild, wild west. And for everyone that's been doing podcasts for 10 years, shut the fuck up. I know it's been going on for like more than a decade. <laughs> but we're but really confusing. lazy and so it's taken us 10 years to fucking do one. So yeah, so we're interviewing lots of people, but we're also yeah. going to do these episodes that are just the two of us talking mm-hmm. about something that we're really into that we need to have a kiki about. And we're just going to have our fresh kiki about it on the phone with you all listening. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, we're just going to talk about things that we love, which brings us, which brings us into... Yeah, what are we talking uh, about this week? Well, I don't know. You tell me, Nikki. You brought it to me, babe. We're talking about a little movie called Can You Ever Forgive Me, starring Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant, mm-hmm. uh, directed by Marielle Heller, written by Jeff Witte and Nicole Holofcener, and 
it's I just fucking when I saw this movie I was freaking out and I love it so much and I called you immediately and I was like you have to see this movie and we were gonna do a different taping today and I was like we should just do it on this because I'm obsessed with this movie Talking about this movie is interesting, especially on the third episode of an iconic podcast about divas, because, I mean, Melissa McCarthy isn't really like an, I love her and respect her and revere her, but she's not really on like a, like, you know, in my top 10 of like divas of my life. But the thing that really struck me of why we should do this is Lee Israel. Lee Israel, the character she plays, is obsessed with divas. She wrote a biography on Estee Lauder. She wrote a biography on Tallulah Bankhead. She did this really famous um, piece on Catherine Hepburn, and she went out to Hepburn's house right as Spencer Tracy was dying and profiled her, and Catherine Hepburn loved it. And then she was making a fucking Fanny Bryce biography in this movie. So she's a huge diva stan, just like we are, the character. And so that's why I was like, we have to cover this movie, because it's about a queer person, Lee Israel, who is a diva worshiper who can't pay her fucking rent and a cat mom like both of us are cat moms. I, I do want to go back to, um, although although me also, me also, Melissa McCarthy isn't, I'm not like the most gigantic stand of Melissa McCarthy, but I will say like she's one of the few women in the past decade that's that's been able to carry movies and especially comedy movies. Mm-hmm. So few women... Uh, get the keys to the, to, to this industry. And right. so few women get to be funny and she's really one of the few bankable stars. And although like her films kind of vary, um, I'm just so grateful that, you know, we have her. I will always and go see, I don't care how stupid the, the movie heat, is. Bitch. I saw the boss in the theater. Oh, you fuck, love yes, the I heat. Saw heat. Heat's one of my when favorite. And stand spy. for that. And Spy is favorite. I so I also saw Spy with my mom. I don't see every movie with my mom, but the ones I do, I really have a good time with. We eat so much popcorn. We drink so much Diet Coke. We're peeing and we're laughing. And we sit. How many times did you guys go to pee during this movie? Uh, We don't count, honey. We don't count. But we... For easy access, <laughs> my mom is like almost 70 also. We can do this. And she is disabled. We sit in the like wheelchair accessible. Um, you can pick your own seats. And those are, you can pick those seats. I pick, we pick those seats. Okay, so what did you think of the movie? Did you like it? Fucking loved it. Oh, it's so I beautiful. Loved, I loved it. I loved it. And like we were talking about before, the editing um, of the of New York, like you really felt like you were there, and it was so they did it so simply, and they kept doing everything so simply. Yeah, you kept thinking they were going to kind of tip their hat one way or the other to sentimentality, or to too kind of get to too many gags, and they just kept in their lane. Of, I don't know what to say. Perfectness. It's so it's so perfect across the board, and the music is so beautiful. I also love like the movie made me think about gay people as you know that old stereotype like in the 70s and 80s and even the 90s like every gay person was a crook or a prostitute or a psychopath or a con person of some kind and they kind of use that in this and explore this idea of Hmm. gay people putting on other identities and the ability of two queer people to be con artists but in this way that's kind of beautiful and necessary and they have to do it for survival uh, I love that. I, I, I love that. And my one of my thing, you know, what I always what I love about my queerness is 
uh, the exploration of alternative families and dynamics mm-hmm. and relationships. Yeah. Uh, my queerness for me doesn't always lie in my sexuality. It lies in the relationships and in the bonds that I form and the uniqueness of that. Um, and I think it is so unique and I think it can be so beautiful and that we, we don't have to live by the standards of the patriarchy. Um, by the straight heteronormativeness of of life. And and Melissa McCarthy can be alone. She can be an old shrew. And that's okay, and it works. And sometimes it's, you know, it can be a sexy thing. Um, But also so hard. Yeah, I loved all of that. I loved when she... They explored all of that, right? Yeah, and I love when she talks about her brother. And Lee Israel was quoted as saying this, that she had a brother somewhere on Long Island, but they didn't have much in common. And that was it. That's all she ever said about it. And this idea that, like, yeah, of, of of a queer woman choosing her family, even if that's just herself or herself and her cat. You know, and they didn't... I mean, there was a sad element to that, and Lee did need to work in the movie, the character Lee, to become a a person who trusted other people and trusted herself. But they didn't... They didn't mock her for where she was in her life. They explored someone who had built kind of a cocoon around herself for safety. Yeah, they didn't mock her. And in the end, they didn't really... They didn't try... What I loved is that they didn't necessarily try to change her. They actually celebrated the fact that she realize what a good writer she was in her con. I mean, mm-hmm. can you set the movie up a little bit? I mean, for who gives a fuck? Like I said, we're, we are not yes, uh, Lee, the Wikipedia. But we're not Wikipedia and we're not a film criticism Even though podcast. I'm fucking looking at Wikipedia right now, so I don't say anything wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. So the movie's about this woman who's a biographer um, and a writer, a really good writer, and she's funny and she's a lesbian, lives alone with her cat, and she, you know, she uh, has fallen on hard times and starts forging letters of famous um, authors and celebrities and poets like Noel Coward and Louise Brooks and Humphrey Bogart, and she's so brilliant at mimicking their voices that people believe them, and she sells, it's a chronicles this year of her life where she sells like hundreds of these letters with an accomplice friend played by Richard E. Grant, who's this kind of uh, grifter. Who is he? That was, so he was just a grifter, right? Like he, he was, was just this guy artist. named, he was this guy named Jack who was, yeah. you know, he lived in the West village and he was like a was lot of those, fabulous. a lot of those characters you see around there with right. these amazing outfits strolling around. And you're like, where do you come from? How do you make money? And right. He was like a small-time drug dealer and a con artist. I love that. Oh, um, and I love- yeah, and so and so she writes these, you know, she writes these con letters, gets caught by the FBI, and what's so great is like she's a fucking curmudgeon pretty much through and through. She has, she just doesn't really have um, great social skills or whatever, which I love that she breaks. And. And the end, it's not like she becomes this nice person or necessarily or really starts, you know, uh, make having a beautiful house. And like she she's <laughs> at the end that she's supposed to go to AA and she still she like meets up at the end with Jack drinking. And she literally is like, I'm supposed to be in a meeting. And, and I'm like, yes, bitch. Lee Israel claimed she never went to any of those meetings. Really? Yes, yeah. queen. She, she yes, said she I never went to a her. single fucking meeting. <laughs> Oh, my idol, my total idol. And and, but instead, the the movie celebrates that she found you know inspired herself to write, and I was and I just loved that. Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. like trying to 
change the change the person. It was trying to. The whole movie was about unearthing her talent and believing in herself. And she and so she wrote the biography. Can you ever forgive me? Which is what the film is about. And it's. I mean, that's one of my biggest. I think that was the most powerful thing to me in the movie is this idea that she could imitate these people but mm-hmm. that she didn't know her own voice. And at one point, Jane Curtin, who plays her agent, says... I'm obsessed. Would you so excited to see her? So beautiful. Such, so many great Such a great performance. Great performance. It's really funny. Um, but she says... What, she, I want more of her. Sorry. I just, just... I want more Jane. More Jane all the time. She was so good in this. And she just finds... she Jane Curtin, who plays her agent, finds... Tells her that, you know, you just have to find your own voice or something to that effect. Like She says, why don't you just write in your own voice? Yeah. And she just said. <laughs> and her whole, um, Lee Israel's whole thing was that she wanted to disappear behind the subject of her biography. And that was her whole gig and why she was so good at faking hmm. being other people. And... Hmm. For her, that journey to finding her own voice and her own authenticity was really beautiful to me. And it also um, makes me think about, like, our journey this past few weeks, like, starting this podcast and thinking Mm -hmm. about, like, oh, why are we doing this? Like, why should we talk about this? And there's a bit of, like, asking all these people who are obsessed with a diva, like, what is it about her that does that to you? And what about her helped you find that authenticity? And it's Lee imitating Louise Brooks and Dorothy Parker. And, you know, she said she was a better Dorothy Parker than Dorothy Parker. Ah, I'm obsessed with that. And that that helped her find herself or come to herself. And it just made me think a lot about what we're doing and, and how I'm feeling like weird and vulnerable about how we're working on this weird project. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. I mean, you know, sometimes you're inspired. Sometimes you hide behind your diva. Sometimes it's both. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and, and then in the end it's taking those influences but and it, letting it inspire you to trust your voice. And the thing, the scene that really struck me is when she confesses, has to confess to the judge. And that's, she's, was, is that not the Oscar scene? That's totally I kept the being Oscar like, what's scene? the Oscar scene? And I was like, that's Oscar it's scene. A Bam. Sl- it's a slow push in on a single take too. And Melissa McCarthy is fucking brilliant. But she refuses to lie. She refuses to be false. Like Lee Israel lies a lot, but she can't be false. She can't fake. She can't fake remorse. And she says, I'm not sorry about it. You know? Oh, oh, she's like heartbreaking when she's she's sorry that she, you know, she understands that it was illegal and she'll take whatever punishment, but that she couldn't. She couldn't be fake about it like her her lawyer wanted her to be. And I found that to be interesting the idea. Like you can lie, but you don't you're not you're never false. I also love that what broke my heart was when she said, This this was actually a really fun time. She's like, I was really being creative. I had made a friend in this con. Um, I, you know, started talking to people, like I kind of got out of the house. I mm-hmm. I found that, you know, so refreshing that, but, but what she felt bad about was that she was hiding, what she realized that she was hiding and she, gosh, I don't know. It, that was deep. I, I, in the middle of this movie, what I did was I was like, I can't wait to watch this again. Yeah. I I feel the same way. I was like, this is, this is just, cause it's not, 
it's not over. I, I don't know from what, how we're making this sound or not, but it's not overly heavy. It's a really fun um, movie that has high stakes, but kind of keeps them in the low low level, but keeps it rolling. I mean, I, I I can't say it enough. I don't I don't know if that what I just said works, but it was a fun fucking movie. It's a fun really fucking want... movie. Well, the one thing I mean, I read a whole bunch of stuff about this yeah. movie's Genesis and like how it came uh-huh. to be. But okay. when it switched hands from Nicole Hofcenter to Marielle Heller, Marielle she, Heller. So Nicole Hofcenter wrote it. With Jeff Whitty, the original. Uh-huh. So Jeff, and was and she going to direct it? Yeah. And they wrote it Whoa. when Lee was still alive. Get out. Yeah, so he died Lee was in 2014. Involved. Yeah, and this movie is 10 years in the making. Shut and it up. was do you know who the original was supposed to be? Who the ori- actor? Okay. Okay, so Can you give me a hit? A hit? Um, I'll okay, I'll give you Do you want me to give you hair color? <laughs> Nicole iconic, Kidman? Iconic redhead. Amy Adams? No. Older. Oh, Susan. Susan. Younger. Younger than Susan Sarandon. Older than Amy Adams. (laughs) (laughs) There isn't even that many redheads in the the Oh, yes, there is. She's one of your fucking faves. Oh, my God. Academy Award winner, multiple time nominee. (laughs) Edit my answer like I won. Um, (laughs) Do you want to? No, I want to. I'm going to give you a clue. We, We did an iconic early test podcast in which this person played a huge part. Um, Oh, Ah, wait, she didn't win the Academy Award. No, oh, 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 that. No, I cannot believe she didn't. Julian. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Say it loud for everyone at home. Julianne Moore! (laughs) Julianne Moore was supposed to play this part. (laughs) Yeah. So what happened was she and Nicole Hofcenter had creative differences about the movie. Let me say that again. Julianne Moore. (laughs) He just got that on the first try. Yes! Wow! Bitch. 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 Can you imagine that movie? Bitch. Ooh, I'm getting much bothered. Less funny. No, she's funny. She oh, is that's funny. true. She is funny. She is... But you're right. I think... She's, and also, she's too... Be- but there's like two... She's such a knockout beauty. I think Melissa McCarthy is very beautiful, but like much more easily frumped up than Julianne Moore. Yeah. And also what I think... What I... I think what what's so what's such a treat is that it's a this is a, a surprise. You mm-hmm. kind of you 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 assumed that this was in Melissa, but there's something really wonderful seeing this all on seeing her bring out a new bag of tricks. Yeah, and she really fucking brings it, man. I mean, Melissa brings it. Okay, wait. Before we go on, we're gonna let's go back to Melissa brings it. But let me finish the story of the origin story of this movie. Oh, okay. So, Julianne Moore. Okay, yes, Julianne Moore was supposed Julianne to. Julianne Moore. <laughs> she was supposed to do this. How many times? And six days before they were to start shooting, they had it all cast, all the locations scouted. They shut it down over creative differences, and Who? I think this was like in 2012, maybe. I think is in 2012. And so I don't know like all the details on how that happened, but that is, but Nicole Hall of Center said she was so gutted. She was like, she said she felt like she already made the movie and was this huge disappointment. And so she ended up 
taking the uh, like a box of all of her research and drafts of the script and giving it to Marielle Heller, who was her protege at Sundance. They have some sort of protege mentor program there, I yes. suppose. And Marielle took the movie and then took this box of stuff and revamped the movie and got Melissa McCarthy on board. But she also, Marielle Heller said she revamped the movie to make it a buddy movie mm. and to just focus on this relationship between these two queer people. Oh, I love that. Which I, I love, which I thought the movie really was. It's like a buddy caper almost. Yeah, I, I, I love that they added that element. I would still, for me... I love that, and I and I think that was beautiful, and I think like it was a way for her to be to find a connection with someone, and also lose that connection that showed her the importance. I do think it, for me it felt more about Lee Israel's story, obviously. Oh, I mean, of we course. never saw yeah. him outside. Well, except that one scene where he's with that purview. really cute boy, and they're going to have sex. Oh, that's right. We do. Oh, yes. A oh, bit my of gosh. cocaine, a bit of grass, and a bit of me. That's like one of the yeah, and then when he's selling her stuff, that's really the Melissa's pretty much on screen the entire time. Yeah, yeah, the whole movie, and she's so fucking good. Yeah, so bad. Yes, amazing. So amazing. She, yeah, she's amazing. She's she talked about how they really kept to the script and asked her not to hmm. improv a lot, and how she was just working that acting muscle of how, how to. She's used to just making stuff up in front of the camera all the time, you know? And she had to work that muscle of putting all the energy into why would I say this in this order right now, which is, you know, the craft of non-improvisational acting. And they did it in, like, and I keep talking about how they didn't lean into, like, maybe the bad impulses. Like, I feel when you do, like, a character that's kind of schlubby, um, doesn't really care about appearances, they're always, like, uh, doing things like blowing their nose or like eating gross things. And sh- they do eat. Actually, there's a scene where they're on bed and they're like eating a chicken, <laughs> like eating a <laughs> chicken eating fried chicken. Th- eating fried chicken. And she does have like a bunch of cat poo onto her bed during <laughs> one scene. But beyond, <laughs> so it's not really proving my point. But beyond that, like, you know, they don't, they don't make, they don't make Lee a caricature and they don't no. make her, uh, you know, constantly be, like grunting and like, uh, being nasty. She just feels really lived in and honest. And Melissa really uh, does a lot of awesome respect. And complicated and surprising. And she's... It's... Oh, oh my God. And can we talk about the iconic... Um, the entrance of Anna DeVere Smith as her girlfriend in that scene on the park bench? Oh, yes. beautiful. What a great scene. I love when they were. I love when Anna Devere Smith walks away in that scene and just goes, "I've got, a, I've got a class." Like that moment, like you know those when you reunite with an ex, and it's just all of a sudden becomes too much. And you're like, you just pull the ripcord and get out of there. I don't know. <laughs> That's my Leah Israel moment. <laughs> I identify. I like not. Don't have to get into it too much. But there's also so, I love the. I love the archetype of like being a reclaiming the shrew (laughs) and like i think there's a whole book on that i heard it once on npr and i wanted to get it i didn't i maybe will um and it was more for women who want to who want to choose to live alone but as a single gay man i 
as a kind of consummate single gay man. I really identified with that <laughs> and I identified a lot with her life. Um, I've always celebrated my aloneness and I really celebrated seeing her on screen and her independence. Uh, her was being alone exciting as fuck. To me. Yeah. Alone as fuck and like just fucking loving it. Getting that Chinese takeout and loving her kitty cat and oh. stealing coats. The, the movie opens with her like going to her agents, um, but like a book party. And she just, she just, she just goes and like tells a coat check like, Oh, I forgot my card, but it's that one. And just steals a coat. Like amazing. I mean, she, I really, she, she might, she's like my superhero, honestly. Like that's, if I can I, have those powers. After the movie, it was pouring rain here in New York. And I was like, Oh, I can only, I had to eat dinner before my show. And I had to, I was like, I can only eat at a place that's been around for more than 50 years. So I went to the Westway diner I love this. So fucking great. And I was like, what did you get? Grouchy. I yelled at everybody who tried to drive in front of me on the street. I got a club sandwich, just like Lee. Because I really identified with her grouchiness. Because I am a fucking evil cunt like that. But um, I call Nick the mayor of subways. (laughs) Because (laughs) Because he loves to tell people what to do on a subway. (laughs) You got a club sandwich because I love that. I got a club sandwich with fries and just and a water a big tap water mm. and just sat there and fucking read a New York Post. I'm obsessed. <laughs> it was so yes. great. But there was the other thing too that I, I that I identified so speaking of stealing coats, I identified so much in this movie with just being poor and being an artist and what that means. And I'd been, I'm pretty open about this. If you Google me at all that I, the first 10 years of my career as an actor in New York, I was really fucking poor and had to do a lot of crazy shit to keep uh, the ship afloat. And it's really hard and it's hard Mm -hmm. to continue to believe in yourself. And when you are not monetarily rewarded but people think you're great and you know you're talented and you've been accepted into the, you know, the group of people who are considered good. So you're not trying to get that confidence anymore. Right. But just no one's fucking paying you for it or they're not paying you what they should for it. And it's watching someone deal with that like very mid-career like Lee Israel was. Right. It was it was tough. It's tough to see because it's a constant struggle. And I know so many brilliant artists who are still in that, in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s, you know? And New York is just so much, so much more of a harder place. Um, did she stay in the apartment? Did she die in that apartment? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think she kept that apartment for the rest of her life. She right. ended up becoming um, a writer for, uh, an editor for Scholastic. Which she had some great quote about that I didn't write down because I suck. So she didn't write. She didn't write this book until two thousand eight. So you know, even though she didn't go to any of the fucking AA courses, she did end up getting like a real job. And oh, oh I do really? know that she commuted to Scholastic, which was like I think downtown in the financial district by subway every day, and she worked there up until up through when she was writing. Can you oh, ever wow. forgive me? In two thousand eight, yeah. So that journey to writing this book was actually a little bit longer, I think, than depicted in the film. Of oh, course. see, I didn't know that. Oh, that's mm-hmm. fascinating. Oh, so they yeah. fudged a little bit, didn't they? Sure, sure. Yeah, but well, that's okay to give it that kind of swing. But I loved it. I, I also love when she gets Richard E. Grant to agree to do it, and then he's getting up to leave, and he's got... I was, again, waiting for like the classic, like... 
goodbye of the man, the gay man dying of AIDS. And he stood up and turned around and she started laughing. And she goes, mm-hmm. I just wanted to trip you so bad right now. I know. I, 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 yeah, it just thrilled me that they just kind of <laughs> kept. And they, you know, they And were, he goes, you're an evil cunt, Lee. And she, yeah. Or, or when he's like, when at the, the, the beginning of that scene, he's like, you know, it says something along the lines of, you're pretty awful. And she's like, yeah, I'd agree with that. Mm-hmm. Not like, oh, I'm trying to change, but yeah, like, I'm a kind of rough person. I just love mm-hmm. that being, you know, that acknowledgement. Like, I, I don't know. That's just something so enduring to me. And, and they weren't ever like huggy or touchy people. And they didn't be that at the end. They didn't need mm-hmm. to give each other this like big emotional, like, emotional scene although I did start crying when he walked into Julius at the end I mean that was my that was the time oh, I started yeah. tearing up I did I didn't allow myself to cry for the cat I but... cried for Jersey you and did. I cried in the scene with her and Anna DeBeer Smith oh right it was just she was know. trying to reach out that was so beautiful she just she just like was searching for the last person that she had a connection with yeah, and when you've been hurt by someone, as I'm sure Anna Devere Smith's character had by Lee, like sometimes you just can't take it. You just you think you can give them a chance, and then you're in their presence again. You're like, nope, can't do it. Um, but also thinking of like how tough it was for her financially and everything, I was wondering like because she doesn't have any family or wasn't close with her family, like who gets Lee Israel's money from this movie? Like who do you think her estate goes to? You know, I, did, did she have? Did she end up with a big estate? I don't know. I mean, I managed. She, I imagine she made some money off of this movie, and I imagine, you know, she didn't make that much money off the forgeries, so she didn't have that much to pay back. Yeah, but wasn't she, that funny? Like when I she should have. She's going to make money off of this movie. You know, it's based I, on her book, right? Well, she, she's dead, right? But her estate, you know, that goes oh, to somebody. Yeah. You know, I just wonder who that is. Like, who do you think she would set up her estate for? <laughs> I love that this is... Like a cat charity? Like, do you think History some, like, channel over here. Some um, fucking Oh, yeah, cats? cat shelter. Cat shelter. She <laughs> cat set it shelter. up for a cat shelter. She set it up for... It's, <laughs> what was her fucking cat? It's called... It's called... Jer- it's called... Jersey. Not New Jersey's Sheltered Cats. <laughs> not New Jersey. Get it? It's in New York. The New York cat shelter. <laughs> um, set up by Lee Israel. Uh, so, so Nick and I wanted Nick's, Nick's sweating to talk about Oscar race. Oscar race, only the girls, because this podcast is called For the Girls. Except but we the- think Richard E. Grant will be nominated. <laughs> so you heard it here first. All right, no, y'all. Do you know what I did last night, though, bitch? What, babe? I watched Hereditary again with Billy. Shut the fuck up. Did he uh-huh. love it? Yeah, he had nightmares all night. He Shut was, up, like, up, did he? All night. How, yeah, how he- was it the second time? It was amazing the second time. I caught so many things. Like I, the first time, I didn't notice that Grandmama had written little um, weird words over each of their beds. Or I think maybe the oh. coven did that when they came in. The naked, smiling oh. white people oh. when they came in. Uh huh. Because remember, but- Tony, Tony keeps seeing like above Charlie's bed and then above the son's bed, weird names written. So this is before I saw this. Tony was my. Number one for best actress. Number one. Do you still think she's still, was she still acing it your second time around? I mean, the performance uh. is so good and so full. And Tony Collette is just full on Tony Collette. 
You know, she's so herself and she's so huge. And I love, I love that performance so much. But Melissa is right now my number one. (laughs) Really? Well, personally, it's it's a crazy race for me, though, because Viola Davis is in it. Who's my icon? Fucking Glenn Close. We're talking now. Let's talk about movies we haven't seen. But Nick and I do this thing where we're like, we already know. (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm, you know, okay, (laughs) some movies I haven't seen, and I'm already. I think I have a new number one, which is in the favorite. Every time I see that trailer, I'm like jumping. Destroyer. No, the favorite. Oh, the favorite, Olivia Coleman. I think Olivia Coleman. I think everyone's saying she might win it. I, I, I just. I just cannot wait to see her. And I just, uh, yeah, so I love, I love that we're talking about movies, movies we, haven't. we haven't even seen. And also, Olivia I Coleman, have, though, right? What, this is a hot race, y'all. This is good. It's to the be hottest a race, hot and it can't race. even deal with it. And it's, of course, Gaga has her place. I and now Gaga, that she's yeah, becoming, like, now that she's the queen of handing out food in Malibu and being an amazing humanitarian during these awful fires, uh-huh. I was like, I mean, I don't want to be. Rude, <laughs> I was like too late. I think <laughs> I love we and love Glenn, me. but I always have to root for Glenn because she's been nominated seventeen times and not won. I know, I know. Um, and she's my I, favorite, you know, movie actress of all. Okay, time. so we're really being really good and really scientific because so far we've well we've seen we've three. seen two, three, three. No, we saw Gaga. I was watching this and kind of thinking about it where it's going to settle in the Oscars. And I was like, this is a terrific movie that the Oscars never honor. I really Mm. like, I feel like this movie is just not going to get the love that it absolutely deserves because it, it tells a kind of really interesting, extraordinary story in this subtle and simple way and it's just one of the I I I, right. I was already ready for the heartbreak of it because right like I the think, heartbreak when they didn't acknowledge enough said our yes favorite Nicole Hall of Center movie where they all, I mean they gave James Gandolfini a nomination but not Julia and I not, wanted to talk about that how how Julia there were another Nicole Hall, Hall of Center movie how Julia uh, Louise Dreyfus mm-hmm. got to show a different side of herself and yeah. I was just celebrating like. I love this. Give me more of this. Like and I these lo- people I mean, are dynamic fireworks of actresses. I think I do think that Melissa has I think that there's a narrative that's different than the other. I think it, she has a unique narrative of like we're watching a comedian do the dramatic turn and Hollywood right. loves that and they love, love she's going to be the non-glamorous one because Oh, I think she'll be nominated. People don't think she's glamorous. I don't know. It's such a great... We still haven't gotten fucking Mary Poppins is coming. Fucking Saoirse Ronan, Queen of the Academy Awards, is coming out with Mary Queen of Scots. Mm-hmm. We've got... The new Meryl. We've got Viola Davis coming out with Widows, Widows this weekend, which I'm going to try to see. Um, we've got... I mean, that's it. And then The Favorite. And then don't forget the new Clint Eastwood joint's going to drop that has... <laughs> oh, I was going to say it has no women in it, but I watched the trailer and it actually... <laughs> My mom leaned over and she's like, oh, I like him. And I was like... And I said too loudly, no, you fucking don't. <laughs> I said like... It's like there's like a lot of people sitting behind me and I was like... Wait, who's oh, the woman in it? Uh, he, he, has a, he, has a, a, he has an actual, you know, of age wife with... And I was kind of sad about this, but whatever. Any chance to see my goddess, Dion Weist. Oh, Dion. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, Dion yeah. Weist would have been good in Can You Ever Forgive Me, too. Oh! Oh, she would have been so... I mean, she... Her Dionne face Weist is, is too also, light of... Too light of presence, I feel like. I don't... Maybe, oh, I don't know. It would be cool to see her turn downcast. But no, her face is so... She's my everything. She is well, my She has also animal. been very open with her very public struggles with uh, finances. Oh, really? Yeah, she's been very <laughs> open about that. You are, you are, you are a, uh, an accountant. You are really a lawyer who takes care of people's wills. <laughs> I'm into estate planning. <laughs> I'm into financial where, planning. Hey, girl, where what happens in the Israel's estate? <laughs> it's my favorite. I think that's my favorite. We, that's what we should we should title the the. The, the, Lee Israel's estate. What happened to Lee? Who, who, who has all of Lee Israel? Where has Lee Israel's estate gone to? I'm obsessed. I'm um, serious about it. Okay, so it's, fantasy, fantasy, best actress. Who gets it? And the fact that we have it, and the fact that we've really belabored this section. Uh, who? And, and again, the another fucking same fact that I keep pointing out. We've only seen three of these movies. Who do? You, who, who wins? Melissa? Is it Melissa? Glenn it's not Huff. Olivia. I think I think Olivia's going to win. I always am going to root for Glenn because we just need okay. to be respecting Glenn Close more at all times. Right. God, I love I always root for the oldest race. person in the race. Unless it's Meryl. Meryl has too many. I'm going to do just a little thing, uh, little shout-outs to all the fucking amazing New York actors. My girlfriend, Rosal Colon, plays the veterinary uh, nurse. In a oh, lovely little turn. And, okay, but, and let me just let me just stop you there. But they, everyone, was so. Every I don't know, you know, everyone that maybe because uh, these are some iconic New York actors, but I just feel like every all of those roles are so full, and wonderful and specific. Anyways, and okay, Stephen Spinella, Stephen Spinella as the. Um, you know, he had the mustache. He was um, buying the letters. He's the original prior in Angels in America. Wow, he was great. Brilliant actor. Also known for a film called Connie and Carla. Oh. <laughs> one of our all-time faves. Cannot wait to do that one. Um, Jane Curtin, as we said before. I want to start a petition to get Jane Curtin more scenes and better billing and everything. Hello. Um, my friend Tina Banco had a small part. She was in that party. <gasps> um, him saying something snobby and snarky. And I, I'm wondering when you're going to tell one of and our, our good friend guest, Michael Cyril Creighton. Ah, yes! he plays one of the um, letter buyers in the scene where they go to the big fair, and he's very funny and great. That is so and cool. He's going to be on an upcoming episode about Madeline Kahn. Yeah, ah, so good. And then, and then, of course, shout out to the fucking iconic Justin Vivian Bond. Justin Vivian a- Bond, so beautiful. Just a New York legend icon. Uh, I would love Justin gorgeous. Vivian Bond to come on this podcast and talk about <laughs> divas with us. Please, please, and yeah, and and then also they did one of you. I was thinking about you, babe. They did one of your favorite things where they let Justin basically sing her whole song, and Entire they didn't song. make that scene about anything but joy in New York. I feel like it didn't. I, you kept thinking something was going to happen, and they just sat there and enjoyed it. Ah. It was also like she was out for the first time in a while and she, you know, Melissa tears up in that. And to me, what I read was she was, it was just so nice to be in society and enjoying art, you know, and to, not, yeah. to be living a little bit, you know, that he yeah. kind of, Richard E. Grant brings her back to life in that beautiful scene. Hey, let's go out on um, 
that song, that Justin Biv- Vivian Bond song from Oh Yay! Good Night Ladies. Um, so yeah, that's the end of our episode. Um, wow, we did rem- it! Yay! Let's uh, remind you of a few things. Please uh, uh, follow us on all the stuff. Twitter and yes. Instagram and yes. Facebook. Like us. Like us. You just, Reddit. Oh, please, please like us. <laughs> you, this is my lame that everyone does Sally Fields. Actually, they always fucking, I'm going to do it wrong. But if you, look, if you look up the Sally Fields monologue, everyone does it wrong. That's not what she says. But what everyone thinks she says, right, is you like me. You really like me. She doesn't say that. And guess what? I can't remember what she says. But I hope. <laughs> but if but you I tune into the like next us. episode, we'll end it with what she really says. Oh yes! Oh cliffhanger! <laughs> cliffhanger! <But> please like, <laughs> please like us on on Spotify, on Stitcher, on anywhere that you listen. Follow to us, yeah. Follow us, rate and review. I think that that's important. Um, Send us nudes on Instagram. DM <laughs> us some nudes of yourself or anyone that you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and most of all, just. Thanks for listening. Oh, thank you. And I, I'm going to tack this on the end. We, we're still experimenting with these mini episodes and we're having fun. And we, uh, like we've been saying, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. So be gentle with us. We want in these mini episodes to read your stories. We wanted um, you to send oh, yes. us in tales of you and your diva. How did your diva save your life? Email us at mail at forthegirlspodcast.com. And tell us, um, did you watch Touched by an Angel and come out to your grandma? Absolutely. Tell us about that. And we'll see you soon. Let's go out on that beautiful Justin Vivian Bond song. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening. Good night, lady. Ladies, good night. It's time to say Goodbye mm, Good night, ladies Ladies, good night It's time to say night long you've been drinking your tequila but now you've sucked your lemon peel dry so why not get high good night ladies ladies good night